Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Park Humphreys and producer Becky. It's actually producer Becky. <laughs> I'm wearing a French shirt, everyone. This is our second preview show of the week. We've done A, B and C. Uh, I couldn't do my ABCs there. And now we're on F, G and H which is very exciting. We're really making our way through the alphabet and we're still to come is a special on England and USA. But for today, we're going to get stuck into some of the other teams. Before we actually kind of chat about those groups specifically, are there any nations within these that people kind of have their eye on as potential World Cup winners? I feel like Germany are the obvious picks, but I'm feeling (laughs) anti-German. I, just generally or for the World Cup? Just just for the World Cup. Love the Germans normally. Um, Brazil will probably not be good, but they're just giving me the vibes. And, okay, I'm biased because I literally watched the 2007 World Cup final last night, but I'm like, they were robbed because they were so much more fun. So now I'm going to support 2007 Brazil now in 2023. I mean, still got Marta. They so. no, still got Marta. Oh my god! Essentially the same. When she missed the penalty in the final, Ooh. oh, I felt sick. That's horrible. I know. So redemption for Marta. That's what I say. Becky, any particular team you've got your eye on? We oui, we. Oui. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I it's mean... actually amazing. This is the level of French you're giving, given that you speak <laughs> French. <laughs> it's embarrassing to do it well. <laughs> um, I. I agree with Jesse that Germany probably are out of this side of the uh, out of these groups we're talking about now the most obvious pick and probably the one I would pick in general across the whole tournament to likely win. Um, but I just love France, um, and I was saying this to to you, Flo, on Sunday on our live show, where you said if they can just stop being so chaotic, maybe they can pull something out. But I actually just think that. They are nothing without their chaos. And so they need some of that, some of that spice to get them through. They just haven't found the exact recipe yet for chaos and great football. They've leaned too far into the chaos and need to find a better balance. But I think they can find it now that Diakra is gone and we've got sexy Renard in the top job. I believe in them. I'm so buzzing that he is in that drop because I loved him at the World Cup. That man is like, he should be a detective in a detective show. <laughs> it is a perfect name as well for Ugh, a detective. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And now we get to have him at the Women's World Cup. What, what an honour. Yeah. And he's also he's like managed Blessed. like everywhere in the world and to have he that crossover loves international football. Yeah, to have that crossover now into the women's game. I feel like this maybe this could be the start of a spell in which he manages like four more international women's teams. But it's definitely a fun matchup. Um Herve Renard is a good place to start with Group F because we've got France, Jamaica, Brazil and Panama. So France we know are on this potential not redemption, because everyone kind of always loved a lot of the team, but it was the coach that was taking the headlines initially. But they are on a bit of a comeback tour. Previous hosts did very well in the last tournament, only just lost to the USA. They had a pretty disappointing Euros, I'd say, where 
you know, people expect a little bit more of them and the drama surrounding them kind of never went away. But this is now they can start again. Where are we expecting them to finish realistically? Because they are the kind of team that could go all the way and maybe meet England in the semi-finals or get to the finals or win the whole thing. Or they're a team who could crash and burn and get knocked out in the round 16 or quarterfinals. Jesse, where do you have them matching up? I have them doing just pure up and downness. So I think they will come second in the group. And yo yo, we. I think they'll come second in the group, play Germany in the round of 16, Oof. win. Oh, so you think they'll be Germany? But then lose to England. Interesting. In the quarterfinals. Wow, um, what a fun bracket you've got there, Jesse. Sometimes you've just got to think about the vibes rather than logic. So and that is what I've based my bracket Germany upon. Germany are vibeless right now. They do not have vibes. They don't have gonna, them at all. We need to talk about them separately. <laughs> but I think France have vibes, but like you've already touched on, I don't feel there's enough strong vibes. Like, okay, we love Wendy, but at the 2019 World Cup, she was like the only person who could score for them. And that was four years ago. Mm. And so... I mean, to be fair, it does seem to be amazing how people still haven't worked out that she's very, very tall. She's so tall. Very tall. They've definitely got more firepower this time around than they had last time around. Do they? I mean, they don't have Kototo, but I think they've got more exciting attacking players. Well, I think obviously Diani is very exciting, but she's not played a lot of football recently. Um, Le Somme, you're really relying on sort of rolling back the years having not played international football and not managed a huge amount of minutes throughout the season. Um, Selma Basha will probably play higher up the pitch than she does normally, which I don't love for her. I understand why they do it when they've got Karchawi as well. Um, But I don't always think she looks as effective in that sort of winger role. Um, Yeah, I don't know... There is, like, I like, it's a really mixed team. Like, it's really fun seeing, like, Kenza Dali and Vivian Osai there. I think Yves Perisay had a really good season for Chelsea in the end. So Diani's been playing well. Gayora scored that hat-trick against Italy, where we all lost our minds because the game and was And thought insane. it was the most crazy game we've ever seen until we went to England and Norway the yeah, next day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're good players. I just don't know if... Renard will have had enough time slash whether they can deal with sort of you know I, I do feel like their injuries are pretty tough like to to not have Katoto to not have Amandine Henri to not have Cascarino it, it feels like all three of those players could have been really key I think if they had those three I'd feel better but I just don't know how many sort of clutch players I feel like they've got I think that's a fair assessment. I think I'm hoping that there's going to be enough kind of individual talent that there's on the paper to see them through. But it does feel like they're kind of, they can be quite Jekyll and Heidi. Let's talk about yet another team that's been surrounded by frustrating things off the pitch in Jamaica. A lot of their pre-tournament build-ups being around the fact that they've had to crowdfund for extra resources and extra money for their World Cup preparations. They never got 
some pre-tournament friendlies that were supposed to be organised. All of the players collectively released statements around the fact that they didn't feel very supported. And we've been here before with Jamaica. I mean, the whole team were disbanded not long ago and then kind of re reborn under the guidance of Bob Marley's daughter, uh, Sela Marley, who's been bankrolling them for, you know, through the to the 2019 tournament where they made their debut and, and everyone was very excited about, but in the end, you know, it wasn't the greatest tournament for them. There is so much love for this team and it's frustrating because you feel like they just are ne- never set up to succeed and fulfil the potential that like so many fans would love for them to fulfil. Yeah, I don't know how this passed me by in 2019, but an opposition player scored a hat-trick in every one of their group stage games God, I didn't against realize them. that. Oh my so God. That's pretty bleak. Cristiano against for Brazil. I think it was Girelli for Italy and Sam Kerr got four against them. Oh my God. Um, sorry if I've got that wrong off the top of my head. But yeah, I'm like, oof. I hadn't really twigged like quite how bad that group stage mm. was for them. Obviously, everyone looks at Bunny Shaw and you're like, any team with Bunny Shaw in it should be able to do something. But I just don't know if that is true. The only like cool vibe that I've created in my mind to give Jamaica... <laughs> is a Drew Spence Bunny Shaw link up. Obviously Jamaica have done a lot of work to bring in players who um like grew up in England for example, so Drew Spence, Becky Spencer. Um but I do think that that brings like quite cool vibe to the team and I feel like Spence is really a player who offers a lot in midfield but isn't afraid to sort of get in and around the area and Bunny is a player who's happy to drop and happy to try and create stuff and I feel like that's the duo that you want to really get going. And I also feel like, you know, Bunny Shaw, a bit of history against Wendy Renard from the French leagues, you know, a bit of spice okay, from yeah. when she was really good at Bordeaux. So I thought you meant personally. I was like, what have I missed? Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Let's start that <laughs> rumour. <laughs> um, so, but I just feel like they're, they're, they're obviously so underprepared and it's not the player's fault at all. Um I feel like this could be not great for them. It's a really tough group, and also like even if they manage to get out of the group, I just doesn't. I don't see any way of them getting past the round of sixteen at all. But it would be fun to see them do something fun and a better. Let's hope for a better fun fact for them post World Cup than they conceded three hat tricks. Yeah, yeah. Although they have to play Brazil again, obviously. So Brazil feel like that natural choice to get out of the group alongside France, and they have been quite hyped as well. I think people got really excited about their squad. Understandably, people getting excited about the fact that this is Marta's last World Cup, so they want her to go out go out on a high. They came close to winning the Finalissima, which is always so hard to say, against England just recently. And Jesse, there is like good talent there, but they're another team I'm like, I just still don't know what their ceiling is. And I don't know if it's like they've maxed out or actually they're performing below what they could be. And that's what I'm yet to pick up in this Pia Sudahaga era with Brazil. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really think Pearson Togger's like the world's greatest manager, but I don't think she's... She's got good vibes. <laughs> I don't think she's the worst by any means. Obviously an iconic lesbian, so we have to support her for that <laughs> we reason. We have to stand. <laughs> we must stand. Um, 
but I think what I like about Brazil is I do feel like they've got a they're in a quite a sweet spot where they've got sort of these veterans. Okay, there's no Formiga. Cannot believe this is the first World Cup since 1991 that Formiga will not be at. Um, also, oh my God, Formiga in the 2007 World Cup final. Wow, what a woman. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, you've got players like Marta, obviously, but Rafaeli, who, you know, had an amazing season this year, missed the 2019 World Cup through injury, but is going to be captaining the team. I think is going to be a real leader at the back. So you've got these sort of older, more experienced players, because um, Rafa did play at the 2015 one. But then you've got the younger talents in sort of Carolyn and JC, who I think could come through in this tournament and and maybe set it alight. Carolyn's obviously the one who's got like a lot of tension transfer wise. Um JC obviously had maybe not as an amazing impact at Barcelona as as we expected, but I think you've kind of seen against England in the in the finalist summer and in some of their warm-up games like how effective she can be not only in terms of her own like on-ball ability but in terms of what she can offer it in in the press and in sort of that leading and defending from the front um the only thing I'm not quite sure about is how all of these players fit in together and what that looks like um but I think I like that they've got a lot of options you know even um, obviously Andressa who scored the equaliser in the finalist summer like these are all players as options off the bench um, there's lots of players who it feels like can do something. And I think that's what makes me feel excited for Brazil. Do you back Marta to score yes. again? And yes. Yeah, okay. I would just, <laughs> I just, I just want it so badly yeah, for her. Yeah. Um, I just think she really deserves it. Also, we know it's going to be her last one. So I want her to rack them up. She's on 17 World Cup goals. She's the highest scorer in the competition so she needs to she needs to rack them up to keep that let's go to yeah. keep that um keep that record stat, yeah to keep that record yeah um but yeah I, there's just something there's just something more like good vibesy about brazil that and as we know i'm basing all of my predictions yes. on vibes so i think that you must well, there's, because there's, yeah. we've had so many conversations about who you think looks the best and who like who you predict and I think every single time I've had that conversation with anyone I've just been a bit like eh. like no one seems to be like at their absolute best like there's very few teams who have like their absolute best dream squad so I think so much of it does just and even if that even if everybody did have their dream squad it's a, a competition like that everything comes down to vibes yeah well we were saying before we started recording that maybe this World Cup was a bit of a mid-off <laughs> and if that is the case then teams need to be embracing vibes even more because you can't rely on talent or tactics. They should they should really bring us in as like vibe tacticians. Oh my god, that would be so fun. Which team would you like to be vibe tactician for? Well, I don't know. Would I have to go for a team who didn't have any vibes at the moment? It's it's up to you. I, I would go into Norway mm. because I Good players, no vibes. Good players, no vibes. I think I that's where I could make a big, a big difference. <laughs> I think I would like to go to France because they have vibes, but I don't understand them. Right. So I want to know about them and I want to try You're going and on like, an exploratory mission. Yes, I am. And I, I want to try and like kind of fix right. those vibes where they, they need fixing. Need yeah, I agree. Oh. Flo? Um, it's a hard one because there are a lot of teams that could do with some vibes <laughs> at the moment. I, this like anywhere or in like in the groups that we're talking about on this show. Anywhere. So. Interesting, I think anywhere, though. 
Well, because I picked Norway and we already spoke about one. Um, Maybe Germany. Okay, yeah. I feel like Germany are their own enemies a lot of the time and I feel like if they could just, like, chill out a little bit. Mm. I think you guys are both making, like, quite hard jobs for yourself. I've picked somebody that... I don't need to create the vibe from scratch, but you two are going in like... But I don't know if you can control that. Whereas I, the reason I pick Norway is because I think the vibes are there. They're just not being harnessed. They're just like... Yeah. They're, I think they're bubbling under the surface. Okay. But that's the same with Germany. I think Germany have really fun personalities like Lena McGall is like iconic. But then I only ever get really frustrated with them because they throw opportunities down the train. So yeah. now I'm well, like, I think come there's... on, Lena and co. So believe teams, in yourself. if you're listening, my phone number is... <laughs> call me. And I charge £100,000 per tournament. <laughs> Let's talk about the final team in this group, Panama. Another World Cup debutante. And they've been pushing more and more with a pretty... Uh, minimal budget and they're like they're a tiny country for them to be here is incredible but they've been pushing more and more when it comes to CONCACAF regional stuff Uh, they lost on penalties to Jamaica in the third place playoff in the last uh, competition but like they are they they are improving and kind of punching well above their weight and then they the fact that they got here and I hate when we say this about the little teams. I feel like I keep saying it. But like the fact that they're here is massive. But realistically, it is a hell of a task for this group of which a lot play in the domestic leagues and, and you know, haven't had as um, elite pathway as some other nations to try and kind of punch their weight. But FIFA's strategy is always that, well, if they're getting here, that shows that they're going to push on. But I, what frustrates me, I think, is that when we take Jamaica, one of their group mates in this example, it's like for a lot of countries, they qualify for a World Cup. It seems like this breakthrough moment for women's football in that nation. And then no one ever does anything with it. And we're four years on and we're saying the same stuff. So I really hope in the example of Panama, it is actually like the start of something big for this nation. Yeah. and But I think also what's kind of at least good about the, the expansion of the 32, we said this when we talked about Group A, is that almost if you get sort of a team you can match up against, you can say, okay, well, we want to do well, you know, we want to get a result, but we can really focus on, in this example, Jamaica. And presumably Jamaica will be focusing on Panama as as the game where they can get a result. And I think that actually almost makes it sometimes less depressing than smaller tournaments where there's just one really bad team per group. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to say like Jamaica and Panama are really bad. But you know, like if there's one team where it feels like they're a long way off the others, whereas I think you genuinely get these this opportunity of like, yes, it's cool that Panama can go play a game against Jamaica at a World Cup, which is a game that they will feel like they've got a, a shot at, which maybe in the past wasn't like really the case for other teams. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think the expansion has kind of helped make it quite open as well for some of these groups where teams are struggling or there isn't an out-and-out favourite. Let's talk about Group G next. Okay, Group G, we've got Sweden, South Africa, Italy and Argentina. A little bit more off-the-field stuff to talk about here. It is the narrative of the whole competition. But let's start with Sweden because they have done very well in major tournaments recently. Just missed out on Olympic gold to Canada in the last Olympic Games. 
lost to England in the semi-finals of the Euros, which was a pretty disappointing performance. But up until then, they had been really impressive in major tournaments. They probably should have won that Olympic gold. They'll be, you know, extra cheesed off about that one. But embarrassed England in the third place playoff in 2019, just lost to the Netherlands in that semi-final. They've been very, very impressive in major tournaments recently. But for me, Jesse, this feels like one where they might actually kind of run out of steam for this group and this era of Swedish women's football, which has been very strong. It feels like they're coming to the end of their cycle of near success. And that's why I feel like, not necessarily in this group, because it's quite an easy group for them, but in this tournament, I could see them maybe not getting as far as people might expect. Yeah, I don't want to be too rude to all the teams in this group, but I feel like this group is so forgettable. (laughs) Well, it's also just completely wide open for me. Like, I just feel like anyone could progress. Oh, I kind of think Sweden and Italy will go through, but then they'll both not be very good while they do it. But no, Sweden, I, I do think they're in a bit of a rubbish position at the moment. I feel like... Lots of their really good players definitely are aging out, and some of the younger players who, or not even younger players, but like your Stina Blackstenius's, your Johanna Rittenkanerids, like aren't the sort of like reliable all star players. I totally also forgot that (laughs) Stina scored in that Olympic final until I when Ashley Lawrence signed for Chelsea. I was like, oh, rewatch the Olympic final. God, my and, surprise! When and she, she scored. Up. She scored one in 2019. She scored that in beat the Germany. Round, round of, was it round of 16? I think she beat, beat them in the quarter final. Yeah, she did. Um, so maybe Stina's at her best at an international tournament. Apart from, I did see her miss about five sitters during the Euros. So maybe <laughs> only non-European mm. tournaments. Um, she's ready. She's ready. So okay, let's go, Stina. Um, hope that happens for her. But. The player who you'd be like, okay, maybe lots of Swedishness is relying on is Frida Rolfo. And then there are concerns about her knee. And then that Mm. makes me concerned. Magda Eriksson looked better towards the end of the season, but also doesn't feel very reliable. So Chira Musevic probably starting in goal again. Like just lots of players who you're like, they're good. They're good professionals. They're fine. They're fine. They're, they're quite a vibeless team, but I actually don't even think there's vibes to be found under the surface. Mm. I just think there might not be vibes right now. <laughs> um, there's just nothing there. And I'm just not really sure. Like, I think they're, they're a very competent team. Their manager has vibes, though. That's what's weird about that they don't have vibes. Because Peter Hudson's like, notoriously vibey. Can a manager's loves- vibes get he, you through on it on their he own he loves though. rock music he's a big oasis fan as well like he's a real cool dad vibe but for some reason the team are kind can of can the ro- cool dad get robotic. the best out of you sometimes yeah. you just gotta work with what you've with what you've got and yeah and they've not got it and they've, they've not, not i mean let, let's um let's talk about one of the other potential vibey teams in this group because italy have had a sprinkling of chaos for their world cup preparations it's been pretty controversial melena bertolini who i thought was going to get the sack after the Euros because they were so abysmal. I had to cover a few of their games and they were honestly so, so bad. She managed to keep hold of her job and she was also in charge at the 2019 World Cup, in which they were, like, decent. Anyway, she's taken them into this tournament. There's already been a bit of drama because she didn't pick Sarah Gamma and she was captain at one point of Italy. She's got a huge amount of caps. She's obviously like an Italian women's football legend. 
and she's not going to be at the tournament. Um, she put up a fairly frosty Instagram post in response to not being selected. And I think there's been a lot of criticism around how Bertolini is leading this team, the selection she's making. It also sometimes comes back to the kind of like, you know, what clubs get picked. And we have this a lot, I think, across women's football. And, and in football in general, where it's like, oh, you know, they only pick Real Madrid players or Barcelona players or Milan or Ju- Juve. And I think this has dictated things a little bit. She's been very specific that she wanted to freshen things up this time and have a younger squad at the expense of more experienced players but I am not feeling hopeful about Italy getting out of this group and I think there's a massive opportunity for South Africa or Argentina to potentially take second in this one. I think Italy will still get out of the group but I do agree. I feel like clearly I think Bartolini is probably on her way out and you know it sounds like quite a few players sort of wanted her out after the Euros um, and I think it's, she's just in this classic position where it's like okay you're obviously sort of lying about things so obviously she said this stuff about freshening up the squad and she like gets rid of Gamma <laughs> who doesn't even make the 32 but then there's loads of other older players still in there because there's almost like no one to bring through and then it's like Julia Dragoni is like the big name that's going because she's 16 years old, but she's like barely played before. So you're like, is that really that useful to take a 16 year old midfielder with you, even if she does did sign for Barcelona and it was really exciting. Um, so it just feels like it really just gives the energy of a manager who sort of knows they're like a dead man walking and they're trying to like have some sort of control over what's going on. But it, it kind of just seems like everything's got stuck. From, like they've not moved on from 2019, basically, but everyone else is older and there's not been much like fresh talent coming through. And it's a shame because obviously this year has been such an amazing year for, for Syria. And I think, you know, Roma's success both domestically and in the Champions League has been really good for Italian football. I think it's kind of woken people up to the idea of, you know, it's more than just Juve winning things in Italy. Um And it's a bit of a shame that after everyone got so excited for them to be their dark horses of the Euros, they were really, really bad. And that was quite funny because so many people went five in the first half. So hard of them. That was insane. I know, I know. I feel like I imagined it. Yeah. But anyway, given all that, I don't really see, and nothing's really changed. You're like, well, are they going to look any better? You've still got some old stalwarts there. Cristiano Girelli. Uh, you have Barbara Bonacea, a few like recognisable names, Valentina Giacinti, who a lot of people will know. And there's like a sprinkling of some of that Roma talent as well. But I think people expect to maybe see a few more Roma players as well. I just feel like fans are a bit fed up. And I think that energy is going to kind of carry them through in this World Cup. And yeah, I think they just need a fresh start, really. Let's talk about one of the other teams, though. South Africa, another team that's been fighting their federation in the lead up to this tournament. They did manage to resolve the conversation and the dispute around bonuses, which left some of the team protesting and sitting out a pre-World Cup friendly. It required a South African charity, which is just insane, a charity stepping in and saying that they would donate to fill the gap that was left. So that has been resolved. um, But I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to be the end of a dispute with the Federation. 
I am quite feeling like I was I was until that news broke before I was feeling quite positive about this South Africa team. I am so confused by this. Please pitch me because I really don't know as much about South Africa as I should. And you going in on the positive vibes is wow. So the I was really feeling it until all this chaos which I think has taken its toll on the vibes. But I think Desiree Ellis is a very inspirational coach and they had lost in AFCON previously. She'd lost in an AFCON final as a player and then a coach. Winning AFCON was huge. They had a very good AFCON. They won every single game. They are yet to win a game at a World Cup. Add that to the selection teams that haven't done that. I think they're in a nice group, though, with what's going on with Italy, Argentina's struggles. I, you know, I think they're probably not going to get a result against Sweden, but I think they've been put, put in the perfect group to try and cause problems. There are a few players as well who are coming off the back of very good seasons. Uh, Tembi Ingenlata, who plays in the Basel, has had a very good season. Um, she was big in WAFCON but ended up missing the final through injury but they have uh, Hilda Magea who finished WAFCON top scorer so like it's all in the context of being very strong regionally I think I would have been feeling better if they hadn't had their prep disrupted so much mm. about the shenanigans with the federation but I still think yeah this group is just but so wide open you can't write anyone off for that because everyone has true it's, it's like <laughs> the chaos behind the scenes just brings everybody to like uh um, similar, <laughs> yeah. like drawing board vibes. Like everybody is struggling. That's why uh, that like Australia do feel like literally the only team who don't who don't or, have anything like that. each other. Yet, um, yeah, there's still a week. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Argentina, the final team in this group. We kind of briefly mentioned the incredible chaos that they managed to pull off with Scotland in the last World Cup, stopping them reaching the round of sixteen. Will they be able to bring the same drama and fun this time around? I truly do not know. I think, you know, they haven't necessarily evolved a ton since that last tournament when other teams have maybe progressed a little bit more. But again, they're in a perfect group to try and get to uh, a, a, a World Cup knockout game. Yeah, I kind of feel like this is maybe maybe you talking about South Africa's made me look at this. I worry that it will just still be easy for Sweden and Italy, but it does feel I like don't back Italy. So I think I think any of those other three. You think any of them I think could? just Italy dropping out would be great and good and maybe also likely, which feels like maybe not the same for some of the other groups here. Yeah, and I guess Argentina definitely have shown they can like bring the chaos at a World Cup, which I, is I I only have actually vague memories of that Scotland game, but my my residual feeling about it was not that Argentina were amazing in that like no, it's comeback. The Scotland it's were the Scotland were really off. terrible. Well, and they were mugged off. I yeah, think. so I'm like basing kind of my feelings on Argentina of that final game and being like, well, they could do something because look at what they did there. But actually, maybe that was a bit more like luck and also Scotland maybe being not very good and kind of crumbling under the pressure rather than Argentina doing anything themselves because they still haven't actually ever won a game. Well, this could be their moment. I think we're thinking park them under could be a challenge in this in this group right let's get on to our final group group h after this 
Okay, so Group H, Germany, Morocco, Colombia and South Korea. We briefly touched on Germany and how people are feeling pretty good about their chances of winning this tournament. They're certainly my favourite. I think given what happened in the Euros last summer and the fact that they were one of the best, most consistent teams in the tournament, as good as England, obviously lost in that final. I think people expect them to really go hard in this. 2019 was disappointing for Germany and for their very good record in this competition. That really wasn't good enough. But I think they come into this one with a stronger squad, with more belief and I was going to say better results, but certainly, Jesse, that recent defeat to Zambia was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, and I've seen kind of a lot of people say Germany are always bad before tournaments, but I don't think you can write it off and just expect them to find form. And I do think this group, on the one hand, you look at Colombia, South Korea and Morocco and say, OK, Germany should top the group. There's no obvious rival to top the group but I think at the same time all three of those teams pose like quite tricky problems I don't know if Germany will have the luxury of, of finding their form and I think my concern from a Martina Voss Tecklenburg point of view is that I don't really feel like she knows how to put her best team together both in terms of who starts and then who's coming off the bench and obviously there's one point of view which says that's can be a useful thing like the opposition can't like really predict it but I think also it's hard then to build the relationships between players and I think that's something we've seen Germany miss I also feel like their defence feels very very shaky and I think they're lucky that they have in Merle Fromms and Ann-Katrin Berger two very very good goalkeepers I think Fromms will probably start for most of the World Cup but in not even just the recent friendlies but all through this calendar year, we've seen either Fromms or AKB, I think, bail Germany out quite a lot. And yeah, I I think they they could do well. And this whole side of the draw for me is a bit of a toss up when you're looking at sort of the Brazil, France, Germany, you know, there's all a lot of those of teams, marks. England, Australia, like there's a lot of good teams there who are probably about a similar level, all of whom have sort of question marks over different bits of their team. I just don't, I just feel like some people seem to have this idea that Germany are like really far out in front of a lot of those teams. And I I personally don't feel like that. I don't know if that's what it is. I think it's, I mean, again, having the conversation of being like, people being like, who do you think is going to win? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It feels like maybe the most open World Cup that that has been maybe ever. And Which I, is why the USA will win. Well, yes, probably. Um, but maybe it's just because it feels like Germany are a bit more stable in that and like they have less question marks than than other people. And it's not that other people think they're really far ahead. It's just that maybe they're, in terms of where they are, they aren't like further behind than where people expect them to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. I just also wonder, though, if there's a sense sometimes where you look at Germany's parts and say, wow, look at all of these extremely mm. talented players. But then when they come together, like even at the Euros, and again, lots of tournament football is very close. But until Manu Zinsberger did a bit of a madness, like that game, like 
felt tighter than maybe it should have, even though Austria were like good throughout the throughout the tournament. I just feel like and this isn't again on Germany because I think lots of teams have, have sort of shown these these weaknesses, but I just feel like definitely in Germany haven't recently shown that extra level you would think they'd be able to go to given the players they have available and then there's there's stuff where it's like you know you've got Leia Schuler, but like how convincing is she she was you know held up as this kind of amazing striker when she was younger I don't think she's really fulfilled her potential and then you she had most most goals in the qualifiers for this World Cup 15 well exactly and then you've got like Alex Pop who I still think is at her best and most terrifying when she plays centre forward. So then you have to decide between Schuler or Pop, or do you push Pop further back? And then, you know, you've got players coming back into the midfield. You've obviously got Loipots coming back from having her baby. Again, a great player to be having, come, having back in your team, but how does that then work when you've got, like, Magul in there? And, you know, like, there's lots of different things to try and make fit, and I'm not just not convinced Vostecklenburg has it quite right. Yeah, there's definitely a reason to have lots of question marks. And I agree with you that there are certain players that always seem to be bailing them out a little bit. But as you say, we could say that about quite a few teams in this tournament. And that's why it's so open. And that's why it's going to be probably really unpredictable as well. Let's focus on another team that on paper should be the ones to progress out of this group. But I think they could potentially struggle, which is South Korea. I think for me, this uh, group G and group H are the two groups I think are, are really wide open and really interesting because of that. South Korea, Jesse, like they haven't really had the best warm-up and preparation for this. It's been potentially a little underwhelming couple of years. They've got a few older players as well coming towards the end of their international cycle they are in a, a nice group I guess to try and get out of it but at the same time I can see them struggling yeah although I, I do think I would say they feel a similar level to Colombia and Morocco and maybe you would give South Korea the edge in terms of some of their players sort of pedigree and experience over some of those other teams there I think you know any side with Jisoo Yeon and I'm always going to feel very affectionate about and she showed in their kind of warm-up game against Haiti how much she's still pulling the strings there and she is the kind of player who just makes magic happen and she's kind of the kind of player who you can rely on without I think teams really being able to get a hold of her like sometimes when you talk about like a bunny Shaw, it feels like she's a player who it can be easier to say, right, we're just going to focus like both our defenders on her. Whereas G, I just think, operates in these like incredible pockets of space and sees passes and opportunities that, that other players don't necessarily see, which just makes her a lot harder for, for teams to tie down. And we have seen that, you know, like in the Asia Cup against Australia, like that that causes, can cause opposition problems that can cause upsets. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think... Like, I wouldn't put South Korea, like, definitely is going through second. As, as I say, I think any three of these other teams could go through second in the group. Um, but I feel like South Korea has a, a good a shot as the rest of them. Our stock is pretty high on Colombia. I think we, we, love Colombia. we both like the look of them to 
surprise some people. <laughs> Just get a very serious face on when they said we love Columbia. And, <laughs> and maybe be a real, like, actual dark horse. Not an underdog. I feel like this World Cup we've got split into, like, the underdogs, the favourites, and the actual dark horses. And I feel like Columbia fit that dark, dark horse narrative because they actually could do like go quite far in this tournament especially because they have got quite a nice open group as well they've got some really exciting young players Linda Caicedo is the one that a lot of people have been talking about one of the many exciting teenagers that will be starring she's already really impressed um, at a young age in underage group international she played at the under 17 world cup last year got that big move to Real Madrid and this could be the first time we really see her like on the global stage because they've got this nice group to like warm up into. Yeah, I although I'm worried I'm going to do that thing where because a team has like a couple of good players that I get way overexcited. I about think it's them. natural because we just spoke of 5 minutes ago about the fact that certain players can bail teams out and these could be the players that do it for some of the smaller nations as well because they're going to need them more than ever. I know in 2019 we thought Bunny Shaw would be that for Jamaica and it didn't quite work. But at the same time I think certain attacking players have the creativity alone to create chances whereas for Bunny Shaw she's got feed off stuff, right? So it's hard to manufacture that same sort of like hero uh, persona in tournament football but some of these players some of the other smaller nations like can generally just like magic something out of nothing single-handedly yeah and I think Myra Ramirez is maybe the player more so than Linda Caicedo for Colombia who I feel really excited about just because like I love watching Ramirez for Levante she's so so talented she's she has a really amazing relationship with Alba Redondo who's part of the Spain squad um at club level um but she feels like someone who is still maybe underestimated. I think generally because Liga FA is like so dominated by Barcelona, some of these, the smaller teams who like, because they're not really in a title race, they don't get as, as much attention. Um, but there's some really, really exciting players still there. And I think she's someone who'd be really amazing to see her get more of that that international recognition because she's been playing at, at such a high level for, for a longer time. Whereas Caicedo, I think just is more has got the like, Wunderkind label on her. That's not to say she, like she can't do something as well. Again, she's you know she's obviously incredibly talented, and maybe those kind of combinations will be what works out for Colombia. But yeah, there's some there's some really really exciting players in that side. Before we wrap up, let's talk about Morocco because they have had um, a quiet preparation for this tournament. But I do know it's not been steady like um, for for many others in this in this uh, World Cup. They lost to South Africa in the WAFCON final. They had that amazing run to the final. They are the first Arab nation to qualify for the World Cup. So they are already probably overachieving given the investment that's actually been in this team uh, and this women's football programme over the last few years. Another World Cup debutant. So the fact that they're here is really exciting, uh, but we probably maybe need to be a little bit realistic about what their chances are, even though they're in this open group, because I think they are going to struggle. They they don't necessarily create a whole ton. Um, and I think they could get uh, a little bit exposed defensively as well. What would be, I mean, winning a game might be their par, like it is for so many of these teams who are debutants. But you never know the fact that they, you know, or against all odds made it to a WAFCON final will certainly like inspire them in this tournament as well. Rosella Ayan, Golden Boot. Here we go. <laughs> you texted me the other day, Razzler. <laughs> Razzler pulling it through for Morocco. <laughs> well, I've just seen some people like picking her out as like a player to watch and 
I've been watching for a long time and wouldn't have picked her out. Uh, but, you know... It Jessie does... will not be seated. No, I will not. It does feel like when she plays for Morocco, she's got something else going on. And actually, I will say, to be fair to her, towards the end of Tottenham's disastrous season, I was like... Oh, gal, you really go for it, at, like in a in a good way, which sometimes players don't. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like when some of the stuff's not going for players, you just feel like they drift out of games, and and she isn't that kind of player, even though sometimes like we can laugh at her. Um, and I actually think playing with someone like Beth England's probably been really good for her because maybe it's taken a bit of the focus away from her. And I think similarly going mm. to play for the Morocco national team, like having a different role, having a different kind of responsibility sort of away from being in England and maybe having people feel like they understand you as a player. I do think that's really benefited her. And I think, you know, yeah, it's like I'm really enjoying like countries really feeling like they're really starting to make them. And you see this men's football all the time, right, when countries start like trying to find who they can like hoover up. But I think it like really creates this extra bit of excitement around around the World Cup to see like, I guess, you know, I think I've, talked about it before but like you know the globalization of league football in some ways of of everyone starting to create more of like this melting pot where people's experiences from one country can go and benefit another country and vice versa that 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 country where which has maybe got a different football culture to um to where someone's grown up can also like influence them and improve them and I think Rosella Ayan's a really nice example of that yeah the Qatar men's world cup was the first time we saw that a lot in the men's game after those FIFA changes and this is the first women's tournament which is really exciting so that's all we've got time for on today's preview we're going to be back later in the week with an England special and a USA special so please check those out as well and obviously check out our first previews early in the week with A, B and C we'll see you all then